0: Visit RTI on the web at
1: english.rti.org.tw.
2: Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. Up today on Taiwan, today I interview a tech delegation from Eastern Europe about their views on Taiwan's uh, tech sector, and then you'll hear from the performance scene here on live from Taipei, but first join us on here in Taiwan. <laughs> Welcome to Here in Taiwan, it's Friday, November 16th, and in the studio, I have Jake Chen. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So, we will be telling you about the uh, 10 richest people in Taiwan, also a satirical cultural exhibit on Taiwanese civic virtue, and also why stricter drunk driving laws aren't working. And also a trend with uh, U.S. and Taiwan students. Those stories coming up next. All right. Well, um, we have some rich people in Taiwan. We do. (laughs) We do. I guess uh, we're not one of, uh, on this top ten list, none of us here.
3: <laughs> well, fortunately.
2: Yeah, but um, we can still talk about them or find out who they are. Well, who do you think is the richest guy in town?
3: Uh, Terrico, the yeah, head of Foxconn. Yeah, I, I would say Terry.
2: He's right. He's the most famous, and uh, he's the head of um, Foxconn. Are Hong Hai and um, which makes all the iPhones and iPads and which open a big factory in Wisconsin. Anyways, he used to be second, but now he's first. That's despite a 23% loss of his fortune over the past year. Oh wow! <laughs> he's still number one, at um let's see, 7.3 billion U.S. dollars. Mm. So that falling a uh, drop was because of the local stock market, and the U.S. Uh, China trade tensions.
3: So it basi- could go
2: back up, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with <laughs> the fluctuation
3: of stock. I mean, he's yeah.
2: Yeah, he can go even higher than he is now. I don't know if he needs to, but <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he probably thinks he does. We don't think he does. Um, number two is the Dingxing International Group, the Wei Brothers. What do they do? I think they make all kinds of food
4: products, well, food right? Products, yeah, yeah, food and drinks. Oh, yeah, okay. and also Masticom the
2: famous um, Instant Noodle brand. Oh, is it Weichun? Yes. Yeah, that right. brand. Mm-hmm. You know, A all, oh. all, whole bunch of food products. So there's four brothers sharing that. And their assets total $7.2 U.S. dollars. Oh, just a little bit lower than um, Terry Guo there. But they're sharing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have the Cathay Financial Holding uh, chairman, uh, Mr. Tai at $7.1 Wow, they're only just short a little bit. You know, pretty close competition there. I, I bet they're
3: all keeping scores. <laughs> yeah, personally. really. Yeah.
2: yeah, they just want to be number one one day. Right. Um, and then the Fubon Group, okay, so that's um, a couple of ties sharing that a local banking situation. Yes, yeah. and uh, they have about 5.7 billion. And then the Want Want Group chairman, Mr. Tai Ongmeng, with 5.6 billion, he has a lot of business in China. Then we have the petrochemical and plastics giant the Changchun Group, the co-founder who has 3.9 billion. And then rounding out the top 10 was Quanta Computer founder and chairman, Barry Lim, who has had 3.6 billion, and then advanced semiconductor engineering, Ruye Guang, Jason Zhang, and uh, Richard Zhang. And then the GuoJu or yagyo Corporation founder at ninth, And then the Zengxing Shangjiao or the so, yeah, Zanjing Rubber Industry Chairman at $2.9 billion.
3: How does he live with himself? Only $2.9 billion. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. too shabby, though. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so that's the latest with the rich people. You notice that they're all men. Yeah. So why is that, huh?
3: There there should be more women on any, this.
2: Any perspectives on that, Paula? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. don't know? Well, I think they have wives who support them, right? Mm-hmm. And you know who take care of the children and everything.
3: So I guess it falls on uh, modern men's shoulder to support their wives more. So yeah, who knows? It might be
2: a rich uh, female billionaire if rising up. There yeah.
3: Men like that. There should be.
2: We have a, a news report here about drunk driving laws that have not been so effective tell us what's going on here
3: right um in the last couple of years taiwan's legislature yuan or the cabinet has adopted and uh, passed uh, laws that uh, clamp down on dr- drunk driving basically the repercussion and the uh, legal punishment for uh, different levels of drunk driving has been stricter and stricter. Surprisingly, um, we we do see uh, the number of deaths caused by drunk driving going down, but the total number hasn't seen much change, which is uh, baffling uh, for many of us. Uh, according to a um, police officer who stopped uh, people on the road uh, pretty pretty frequently, he said that uh, people have gotten smarter but probably in the wrong way. They understand the new legal limits at different levels oh. so they, they drink just enough so they don't pass certain levels.
2: So they know exactly how much they can drink to get away with it. They, they
3: can get away with uh, literally a slap on the wrist. So those who drink a lot you know there are a lot less people doing that which is great. Oh that's good. Yeah. So that's why there's there's so much uh, considerably less number of deaths uh, caused by drunk oh. driving. But a total number of people doing that is still <laughs> quite considerate, uh, considerable. I think...
2: Um, you mean still Drinking somewhat, still drinking, and then somewhat driving
3: and over the limit, you know. Oh, and okay. those are still dangerous, of course. Sure. Yeah, so
2: I wonder how much is will make you over the limit. Is so it one glass of wine, one, one uh, glass of beer, or
3: the test, the number that that uh, at the breast leather has to be 2.5 or lower. Um, not sure how much would would get you up to two point five, but you know
2: it might differ with how how heavy you are, and you know, and did you have food or yeah, all I that heard, as well? You know, I heard and that how long yeah. ago that was, so yeah. it's probably hard to say. Yeah, so probably should just don't do it, right? Don't drink and drive,
3: right? Or you know, I mean, plan ahead, get a get a, a driver or get a taxi ahead of time, so right. you can enjoy yourself. You know,
2: right. Okay, we have a cultural exhibit in Taiwan. Um, making a statement, tell us about this.
4: Okay, um, this culture exhibit is actually called Taiwan Culture um, Exhibit. is organized by a guy, uh, surname Zhang. He he owned a clothing store in Zhanghua County, and the exhibit is about um, civic virtue of the Taiwanese people. Why is that? Because um, the objects on displayed are plastic cups tissue paper, aluminum beverage cams, and other stuff. You know, it's all trash. Uh, Mr. Zhang wants to hold exhibit is because when he opened uh, the closing store in Zhanghua, and then um, he discovered that, you know, pedestrians uh, they put a lot of uh, trash uh, on a table near his neighborhood. So the plastic cups and then um, aluminum beverage cams, paper, tissues. So he's not happy. And so he said that, you know, the exhibit will be held indefinitely or until the day that Taiwanese people change their attitude. He said that we don't have a sense of civic virtue, and we lack that. And it's important to ask people to make some changes. And so some web users are saying that the exhibit is actually most creative because it actually encouraged the public to do something for the public good. And then some are saying that, well what happened next after he posted you know uh, after he opened that exhibit it's actually not an exhibit he just posted a notice right next to the The trash trash. so so it's uh, just real trash that people put there the real trash and what did he how did he label it again Taiwan Culture Exhibit uh, and it's all about (laughs) civic virtue of the uh, Taiwanese people but after he posted that notice surprisingly you know people stopped putting trash throwing trash over there so it's it's
3: a big reminder yes yeah i got to give him points on creativity. That's uh, that's true. I, I did not see that coming.
2: That is a good way of... Kind of slightly humorous, but pretty sharp way of, you know... <laughs> reminding people <laughs> of things. Reminding people. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of the trash problem?
3: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the guy, you know, put on an exhibition to remind people of the issue, because... And there are places, and I've seen people bringing their family trash into public trash cans, which they're not supposed to do, and it's actually subject to police fines if you're uh, to fines if you're caught by the police. It doesn't happen very often, gladly, but uh, you know, a reminder certainly doesn't doesn't hurt.
2: Right. Yeah. I think there's well, I think you know, having a table there. Yeah. Just made it too convenient. I mean, that's no excuse for <laughs> everyone who did it. It was like, oh, here's a place to put something that I don't want.
0: <laughs> right. That's- I
2: think we need a
4: carrot and stick approach. You ah,
3: need to
2: educate
4: the public, true. You also need to, you know,
2: punish and punish people.
3: That yeah. I agree. I agree.
2: They should have fines, right, for doing that. Yes, for putting trash you where it does not caught. belong, right? Ah. So I guess you need a video camera. Yeah, we need <laughs> That would deter of, people. But for him, he didn't even have to invest in a video camera. All he needed was a good sign.
5: Yeah. <laughs> From a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei, the people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world. On Radio Taiwan International.
2: Okay, we have a trend among Taiwanese and U.S. students. And that is that they're growing in numbers in each other's colleges and universities. So that means more and more Taiwanese students are enrolling in U.S. colleges and universities. For, let's say, the third year in a row, the number has been going up. So it rose like almost 5% from last year. There are a total of over 22,000 Taiwanese uh, enrolled in U.S. higher education institutions for this past year. And Taiwan is the seventh largest source of international students in the U.S., that's for a fourth straight year. When you were in Canada, was there a lot of overseas Taiwanese students studying?
3: I I'm, I met quite a few, yeah.
2: Yeah, so they they do have a presence, right?
3: Yeah, I'm like I have to talk to them to realize that you know based on their accent that they're they're from Taiwan because uh-huh. they sound a little different from you know
2: the th- Chinese mainlanders, the
3: mainlanders or, or people Hongars, like or, or Hong Hongkongers, well, or Hongkongers were people like me. Um, yeah, but there there are quite a few of them. I, I remember
2: there are huh? Yeah, I think Chinese is. First or second, I think. For, I'm for, for, pretty uh, sure they're the first US. in
3: terms of international students. Yeah. yeah. So
2: um, Taiwan is, I mean, for a small uh, country, mid sized country, actually. We're not small. 23 million people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not doing too bad. Number seven over there. Two out of every five were in graduate school, and about 30% were in un- undergraduate school. And the rest were participating in these optional practical training programs. So they get to um, have some, you know, special programs and uh, work and, and, you know, uh, short term programs in universities over there. And um, on the same note, uh, the number of American students enrolled in Taiwan universities is growing. So I know that it's it passed not that many, though. There's a um, thousand and two now. So past oh. the thousand mark. <laughs> so not quite as many as in, in the U.S.
3: The other way around? Okay.
2: Yeah. But I know that Taiwan is trying to make their universities more international. So they have a lot more classes taught in English.
3: And I think activities too.
2: Activities as well. And yeah. they do recruit from you know, all over, including Asia and you know around the world. But they are trying to make um, our universities more international. So um, that's a new trend. We're growing in numbers. So I guess that's good news. All right. So um, that's it for Here in Taiwan. But do stay tuned for Taiwan Today, live from Taipei and Newsmakers. For Here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Paula Chow. We'll see you later. (laughs)
0: Naroa Naroa Iana.
5: The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International.
3: What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. you hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan.
5: Taiwan Today with Natalie So.
2: Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. We recently had some movers and shakers in the tech industry from Slovakia visit Taiwan to discuss some very exciting projects. Flying cars is one of them. Three of them came to our studio Mr. Rodlasov Danielok, CEO of Takium. Adrian Wichita, partner of IPM, and Marion Gazdick, the founder of Brain Trust and the director of the startup Grind in Europe. Miran first tells us about the association of top Slavic tech CEOs that he started, called Brain Trust.
6: Yeah, uh, Brain Trust is an organization which uh, uh, has uh, the fastest growing companies from Slovakia uh, and the company CEOs uh, which are doing business in technology. And uh, we decided to explore more opportunities with Taiwan because Taiwan is one of the best countries in the world for developing clusters. And uh, we are big fans of uh, of how Taiwan is is building clusters. For example, uh, Shenzhou Science Park and Technology Park. And uh, we also have some uh, interesting parks and uh, cooperation clusters in Slovakia. We would like to develop them more. And that's why we decided to come and uh, develop new partnerships and cooperations with uh, very advanced Taiwanese companies.
2: So what do you know about Taiwan's tech industry? What attracted you to it?
6: Well, uh, one of our flagship companies, which we are uh, bringing here, is is uh, Mr. danilak Takium. Uh, Mr. Danilak is the reason why laptops today are so thin. Because really? So we have to thank you for
2: the lightness, right? <laughs> yes.
6: His, his past company replaced hard drives from laptops with a flash memory. So his company uh, helped Taiwanese companies generate over a billion uh, U.S. dollars uh, in output.
2: That's amazing.
6: And this is why his new project called Tachium is tackling a market which is uh, at least 10 times bigger. And this is why we would like to have uh, companies like Tachium, which already works uh, with uh, TSMC, for example, to develop further collaboration.
2: And what are you looking to do with Tachium?
7: So Tachium is a semiconductor chip company. We are designing chips for data centers for regular processing and artificial intelligence. And uh, what is interesting, it provides much higher performance at lower cost, but very importantly, it's reducing power consumption. Why is that important? Because everybody loves to use you know, services uh, and web services. But in 2016, more than 2% of planet energy w- had been consumed by the data centers. Now, data centers are growing by 15% per year which translates to about 10% of planet energy to be consumed by 2030. And if nothing changes, by 2040 it will be 40%. So the power consumption reduction is really essential if you want to continue benefiting from the technology growth. And uh, we provide about 10x power reduction of that. So it's very important uh, for future evolution of the compute.
2: Well, that's exciting. And and how are you working with Taiwan companies on this?
7: It's on multiple levels. So. As in the past, the world largest semiconductor chip manufacturing company, TSMC, was my previous supplier and we continue in engagement with that company. That's on the supply side. Now when the chips are manufactured, you need to package them. And historically, I work either with Spill or Amcor, which they have in Kaohsiung. And uh, the chip itself, they needs to be built into systems. Today, the market is shif- shifting to ODMs, uh, manufactured kind of like Compal, Quanta, Inventec, like vivin and so on. So there are multiple levels of engagement. And last not least, the AI, artificial intelligence, is priority for Taiwan for economy as large future contributor of GDP. And for example, ITRI Institute is basically spending a lot of resources in AI, and we establish cooperation with ITRI. Reducing Correct. the
2: power consumption.
7: And but not only that. Uh, you know, one of the interesting applications of our chip is that first time in history of humanity, our chip allows to build the simulation of full-size, real-time, full-capacity on human brain simulation. So that technology was believed will be available only nine years later. But thanks to our technology together working with the essence and other, we can bring that in next two, three years to market.
2: So what does that mean for AI? I mean, it will have the capacity as a human brain?
7: So, you know, the reason why today we are not there is economical barrier, one of them, in Mm -hmm. addition to technical barrier. If you try to build that solution uh, today, it will be many billion dollars. And there is simply not enough, you know, uh, justification to build that. So what is interesting about our chip is that today, you know, if you have uh, services, let's say Facebook, you know, people are using through the day and when they are not using it, you know, all these servers, they are idle. So out of the servers in data center, let's say you have half million servers, they are used only 40% of time through the day because when the people are working with them, not when they are sleeping. And uh, our chip allows to use same equipment also for AI. So instead spending $2 billion of building AI system uh, for that simulation, you can just use existing data center for existing application, and you don't need to spend this $2 billion. You're just renting capacity, which is just wasted, unused. So we change the economical aspect of AI and that together with technology, completely changed dynamics and brings the, this technology earlier to the market than it was possible. It was economical and technical barrier. We address both of them.
2: Well, that's a major breakthrough. That's very exciting.
7: Correct. And what
6: we like about Tacuum is the aspect not only on bringing additional power and uh, computational power to, uh, to customers, but also the 10 times reduction of energy. Imagine how many power plants you can close down, uh, mm. which are polluting the world sure. just because of this invention.
2: Right. You say, I mean, you, it's a, a very environmental move, right? And also a cost saving move. Adrian, I heard that you are also interested in our flying cars, or is there an uh,
1: that's, uh, that's right. Uh, maybe, maybe just to touch on uh, Slovakia Taiwan uh, potential cooperation, which uh, Tachium is one of the examples. Uh, flying cars is another example. Many great things are happening in Central Europe, same as in Taiwan. We have a lot of similarities. We uh, invented the great things. One of these things is a flying car, which you just mentioned. It's a really flying car.
2: What does it do? It, it flies. How how high does it fly? It's can, <laughs> it can
1: fly up to uh, three, four kilometers. It's it's a really like a light plane, uh-huh. but it looks like a car. It's a uh-huh. wings. It's uh, really flying. It's a force prototype, which is uh, being tested. It's uh, not far from commercialization. It's been fully designed to be uh, compliant. To all regulations, avionic, both avionic uh, road transportation. So it's you get the two papers: a paper for the cars and also permission for the light plane. So that's difference to many of the other initiatives in this segment, which trying to use a vertical takeoff drones, which have a difficulties with uh, licensing and uh, and regulations. This one is regulated according to the current regulatory uh, frames. So it can be uh, launched to the market right now. And that gives its advantage towards to the others. So we get the data and everything before the full commercialization. And full commercialization means flying vehicles as a service, like flying Uber. So imagine you can get from door to door by car,
2: but but in the air. Faster,
1: avoiding traffic jams, not requiring a massive investment in infrastructure like fast trains. This is actually competitive to fast trains. Similar speed, similar connectivity. But much less investments and much faster uh, you can implement it, and more and this, flexible whenever you want. No, and amazing. this technology was uh, was uh, developed uh, in uh, our region in Slovakia. Of course, uh, there is a multinational team working on that, and that's exactly what we uh, bringing also here. We call for cooperation also with Taiwanese companies to t- such a iconic project like Tachium. or this co- this project is called Iron because Taiwan possesses great technology advantages and have a great hardware infrastructure. And all these uh, technologies are hardware-based. Slovakia and Old Danube Valley, that's the, that's the regional cluster of technology firms and technology initiatives, possess great IT capacities. We have probably more engineers than Silicon Valley in the region. And it's rather underutilized in terms of the quality what they can provide. So it's such a iconic projects grow there. We're missing infrastructure which Taiwan has. So we yeah. we are here also for this reason to find a la- ways of cooperation where Taiwan can benefit upon u- u- utilization of these technologies to the programs which are also in priority of Taiwan, uh, AI, mobility, uh, and other. And uh, uh, we can benefit upon uh, the Taiwanese, a great level of competitiveness in Asian uh, area, but also globally as a leader in semiconductors and in uh, uh, clusters, which you have a great examples which you want to learn from as well. And maybe to build up some Titan cooperation on practical clusters as a Danube Valley cluster and maybe Shinju or other clusters here on practical projects like Tachium and others, which some of them already exist they produce the revenues to the economy some of them are uh, still to be launched and it would be great that if it can be launched together
2: well that sounds wonderful and very exciting these projects and they're gonna be uh, great breakthroughs from, for people around the world can you um tell us what you imagine what's going to happen with these projects how it will change how we live
1: One other, which is another company which is raised in our region in Slovakia, is a contactless drilling company. Imagine you can have energy anywhere in the planet for the fragment of the cost, which is a green energy, renewable energy, which is geothermal energy. The barrier now is drilling because you need to drill really deep. Uh, In many regions, you don't even have a technology to drill such a deep contactless drilling uh, based on laser plasma technology is uh, addressing this issue so you can anywhere in the world drill contactless drill the wells to to the depths where you find the conditions for utilization of the geothermal energy for a a very competitive cost fragment of the time and the cost does not grow uh, exponentially as you go deeper and deeper actually go they go linearly so uh, uh in a few years from now we will have energy, which will be available for everybody and which will be the cheapest one in the world. And that's also the proposition for uh, for Taiwan to cooperate on this uh, type of technology. So I think the uh, Valley is proposing globally technologies which can transform the world in the areas of mobility, in the areas of energy and digital world, which are the main uh, factors of the future competitiveness. We're working on these projects also with uh, regions like Silicon Valley, some of them, like a project of uh, Dr. Danilak, Takium, which, which we mentioned, semiconductor, was based in Silicon Valley. But we're utilizing the potential of Danube Valley, the Slovakian Central European Europe, to utilize the IT potential of the local people uh, in software specifically. So we using the best resources of the planet to grow these projects, to become it to the reality.
2: Well, it's great that Taiwan can be a part of this, of what you're doing. And I'm curious, from your point of view, what does Taiwan have to offer you in, in these projects, as opposed yeah. to going to Silicon Valley or other places in the world?
6: You know, Taiwan has a, a big expertise in building clusters, very very successful and uh, smart clusters. Uh, you are the third in the world in, in that. Taiwan has a great tradition in uh, manufacturing, one of the world's best uh, manufacturing com- companies are based here. What uh, we have to offer is, uh, what Mr. Daniela, Mr. Rich already mentioned, is the uh, Danube Valley. And the context is the Danube Valley is a region between the capitals of Slovakia, uh, Austria, Hungary. And in this region, as mentioned, there are more engineers than there are in the entire Silicon Valley. So there is uh, lots of potential for software development. And this is the strength of, uh, of this region. For example, of the top 10 uh, world's largest antivirus companies, three of them are based in this region. Slovakia is also, we mentioned uh, the automotive industry, the flying car. Slovakia is the world's largest producer of cars per capita.
2: Yeah, I saw there was a 1 million, you're producing one car for. Every five people every year, right? Yes, that's, 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 correct. that's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. It, it that's would be
1: like 25, uh, it would be like 7 million cars produced in Taiwan. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's quite amazing and output. That's, that's already a big expertise there.
6: And uh, we want to take it to the next level uh, with, uh, with the brains, with the smarts. Mm-hmm. This is where uh, uh, the projects like Tacium will be enabling uh, these companies to have additional advantages in terms of AI and, and being more smart. And the way where we see the cooperation happening is, uh, Taiwan is strong in, in hardware, we are strong in software, and we can help each other. And also in developing these cluster cooperations. This is why we're going to Shinju tomorrow, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll be discussing some smart ways of how we can collaborate. And of course, Takium is, is one of the key flagship projects, which we hope we can develop further co- cooperation on.
2: Those were top tech CEOs from Slovakia. Radarslav Danielak, CEO of Takium, Adrian Wichadal, partner of IPM, and Marian Gazdek, founder of Brain Trust. We'll be talking to them more next week about how Taiwan and Slovakia are working together for exciting new things in the tech industry. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan today. I'm Natalie So.
7: Strangers in the night, exchanging glances, wandering in the night, what were the chances
0: Welcome to Live from Taipei, I'm Charlie Storer and without further ado, let me take you over now to the Sappho Live Jazz Bar here in Taipei, that is of course the venue where we each month hold our Taipei Story Slam event. Good. Hello everyone, welcome to our September uh, Taipei Story Slam event. Thank you so much for, for coming out tonight. Give yourselves a round of applause. Can you hear me at the back? Yep, you're good? Okay, that's great. Okay, so tonight's theme of tonight's Story Slam is... Strangers in the night Exchanging glances Swing in the night what
7: were the chances? We'd be sharing love Before the night was
3: through
0: I am the best Frank Sinatra singer in my house. If you don't believe me, you can, you're can. welcome to come to my shower sometime uh, and see. So we chose uh, tonight's topic is Strangers in the Night. We, uh, we gave you a poll on the Taipei Story Slam Facebook group to choose uh, the theme for tonight's event, and uh, all of the, the various options were Frank Sinatra songs, so you could have chosen My Way. You could have chosen I've Got You Under My Skin. That would have been a bit weird, but that would have been an interesting topic. You could have chosen That's Life, My Kind of Town. You could have chosen New York, New York, but you chose Strangers in the Night, so thank you very much. All three of you who took part in that poll, we appreciate that very much. Oh, hi, Amber.
8: <laughs>
0: okay, right now I would like to invite our reigning Story Slam champion, Molly. She made a debut last month and won the whole go on thing. Uh, this month she is back again. Please welcome Molly.
8: Right. Hi, guys. So I'm recovering from a cold, not a 15-year-old boy going through puberty. Um. So, let's go into it. Growing up, my sister and I were always very close. She was more like a role model for me. She was very quirky, very weird, and I loved that. I wanted to be that when I was in high school, the quirky, weird girl. And despite our age difference, we were very close. Um, when she turned 18... I was around 10 years old, um, and she moved into this place that she lovingly named the Hobbit Hole. And when I think of a Hobbit Hole, I think of a place that's super cute and dainty and I think the only word that maybe she got right about the Hobbit Hole was hole. when I went in there, it smelled like stale cigarettes and a smell that I would later relate to as regret. And during this time, I didn't wanna go to my sister's home. I hated the hobbit hole. So we started to drift apart and this was hard for me. When you're 10 years old, you're losing a role model. I was, I was losing my friend too. So maybe a year later, around Christmas time, she gets a new apartment and I was excited. I was like, oh yes, Erica and I can go back to being the weird dorky sisters we are. And she invited me over for Christmas decorations and just a sister's night. A night where it could be Erica and I. I go over, we eat crappy Mexican food, we eat sing crappy Christmas songs, and we decorate our small, small Christmas tree with cheap, crappy decorations. It was awesome. I was so excited to be with Erica, and we decided to end the night by cuddling in her bed and putting on my favorite movie, The Never Ending Story. Very sweet. Um, but you know that feeling when you're suddenly awake but you didn't even know you were asleep? That's that's what happened. There was suddenly loud crashing outside, loud glasses breaking. And so I woke up and just being 11 years old, I decided to go see what was going on and if my sister was okay. And I peek my head out the door, and I see a very, very tall man holding two beer bottles, and he takes one and he throws it against the wall. And I didn't know what to do. I crawled back into the bed, and I hear more bottles smashing, so many bottles are smashing, and I finally hear my sister say, please, Please stop. My little sister's sleeping. And, and I hear, I, I've heard these words before. I was 10, but I wasn't stupid. But I'd never heard these words directed at me. I heard this tall, strange man say, I don't give a f- about that little f- in that room. I cowered. I didn't know what to do. I kept hearing glasses smashing, and I kept hearing my sister plea, please be quiet. And then finally, the last sound was the surprisingly loud crash from the little crappy Christmas tree getting knocked over and the door slamming. I couldn't fall asleep. I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if my sister was okay anymore. I just couldn't move though. Who knows how long time went by? My sister came into the room. I was not asleep. I was too scared. I asked her. I said, Who who was that? And she just whispered, That's my boyfriend. I I couldn't wrap my mind around this. How did this tall, strange man get into my sister's house? How did she let this man even become a friend for her and even become someone that she was potentially going to love? I I didn't I don't understand. The next morning we woke up and I helped my sister clean 27 broken beer bottles that neither my sister and I drank. This tall strange man came into this house after 27 beers and a a nice healthy dose, dose of meth to come tell my sister how much he hated her and loved her and just to come trash our sister's night. That night that I was so excited for, he came and he ruined it. We got the Christmas tree back up. But I... I thought my sister moving out of this little crappy place, the little crappy Hobbit hole. I thought that I would have my sister back, that it wasn't my sister who had changed. It was her house and her moving back into a nicer-looking apartment. Things would go back to normal. But, of course, they didn't. My sister was not the person who i knew anymore she was actually the stranger in the house that night thank you okay.
7: the strangers in the night
0: Molly Minaberry told her story of Strangers in the Night at the Sappho Live Jazz Bar in Taipei on September the 27th, 2018.
7: And ever since that night We've been together, lovers at first sight In love forever, it turned out so right For Strangers in the Night
2: Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw.
5: Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers.
4: Former President Ma ying has been in the news recently. Last week, Ma raised his new three-nose China policy at a forum on cross strait ties. The forum marked the third anniversary of Ma's meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in Singapore in November 2015. When Ma was president from 2008 to 2016, his cross-strait policy was centered on no unification, no independence, and no use of force, the so-called three no's. In his new three no's, why no use of force remains a pillar. Ma has changed his stance on unification. He said he does not rule out the possibility of unifying with China, nor does he think the publisher's support moves towards former independence for Taiwan. The former leader also said maintaining the status quo across the Taiwan Strait is Taiwan's best option. The ruling DPP administration has accused Ma of sending a wrong message to China and to the international community, saying that Ma's political discourse could give the impression that Taiwan does not find China's bullying objectionable. President Tsai Ing-wen lambasted Ma for jeopardizing Taiwan's sovereignty, but Ma said Tsai was trying to shift public attention to cross-strait issues ahead of local elections on November 24th. Ma's approval ratings plummeted to a record low before the KMT's humiliating defeat in the legislative and presidential elections two years ago. But the former leader has since regained a measure of popularity and has been busy campaigning for KMT candidates island-wide over the past few weeks. Still, his endorsement is not always welcome. KMT candidates in hotly contested cities such as Kaohsiung and New Taipei both declined to comment on his recent statement. Since stepping down in May 2016, Ma has been summoned to court on a regular basis for lawsuits ranging from libel, leaking confidential information, violation of personal information protection, and so on. At one point, he was questioned by prosecutors for 14 hours. In July, Ma was charged for breach of trust and violation of Securities and Exchange Act. The case is currently being processed by the court now. The former president won nearly 60 percent of the votes in the presidential election in 2008, the highest votes received by any directly elected Taiwanese president.
2: Thank you for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Natalie So, back here with Jake Chen and Paula Chow, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Well, there's an interesting topic that a famous foreign TV host um, brought up here in Taiwan, and is is foreigners tip in Taiwan, because the tipping culture is different for every country, and how do they um, deal with tips and, and good or bad service here in Taiwan? Tell us about the story. Okay, the TV host's um, name is Rifat.
4: He's from Turkey, um, originally. Uh, recently, he released a video entitled, Will You Give an um, Extra Service Tip in Taiwan? He actually did um interview with um, a number of foreign nationals. Because he interviewed, he said, in the United States, um, UK, and Brazil, they all have tipping culture. Actually, if you don't tip waiters in the U.S., I am sure that you will... It's something really be bad. frowned upon
3: by yeah, every
4: single person who knows about it. That's bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's something something really bad. I remember, you know, one of my um, American classmates told me that she used to work at the restaurant where she was a waiter, and then one customer um, didn't tip her, so she and other co-workers actually told the customer, "Don't ever come back."
2: Oh wow! Oh, wow. Right. So Way it's pretty. It's pretty serious. Something you didn't just you, leave and, and not right. and get away with it. <laughs> you, <laughs> you really have
4: to, to. Yes, yes to you, you really have to have to leave a tip. However, that's different because uh, in Taiwan we don't really, you know, tip the waiter because a ten percent service charge is included in the bill uh but anyway so um the tv host uh, refat interview um you know interviewed quite a few foreign nationals he interviewed a french guy and he said that in france they don't have you know tipping culture of, of course but waiters will be really happy if customers tip them
3: oh and then, they don't tip in france That's i, I, I know what that. he said i'm I, not I, entirely sure uh,
2: yeah but the, that's what the french guy I have said to remember that when i go to france
3: <laughs> <laughs> cuz their food is already expensive you know so
2: yeah it's already so expensive and he also interviewed a british guy and
4: that guy said when his parents came to taiwan to visit him they actually gave a generous tip how much is it it's 70 us dollars for what i mean for food for, and oh my God, right, much, an extra that, tip like a, at a, a nice a, restaurant how much is the no, food i i don't know but but guess what Because that's because his parents didn't know the value of Taiwanese currency. So he he told his parents, uh, he told his grandparents, you know, you don't have to, you know, give them so much. We are not rich people. So they eventually, you know, um, give um, the waiter um, seven
2: U.S. dollars, not 70. But still, it's pretty good. Oh, sure. I mean, you usually don't give anything extra. Right. Because he already has a 10%, and they're not expecting anything right. They're not. we're not expecting anything any, anyway. And then a Brazilian said, well,
4: when he was trying to uh, tip Taiwanese waiter, I um, mean, they refused to take his money because, you know, most people think, well, this is what, you know, I'm supposed to do. I, I don't want tips. Mm. Right. And then there's another um, the British woman said, well, he thinks a 10% service charge is pretty um, reasonable because in the UK... Um, you know, the price is pretty high, and usually a 12.5% service charge is included. Oh, really? So they think 10% fine.
2: I have friends who are from the States, and sometimes when they are in, in a taxi, they will tell the taxi driver to keep the change or something like that. Right. No matter, I mean... It could be $50 or whatever. The taxi driver is so happy when he, because people don't do that in Taiwan. Right. Even if it's like five or $10, I've done that before, you know, maybe just five or $10, and just they're give, really happy. Yeah. It kind of makes their day, you know.
3: Yeah, I think it's more so the gesture rather than the amount that you give them you right, know, to make right. them feel appreciated.
2: So I think the foreigners do have this culture. Yeah. If they think they've been served well, Yeah. they give a good tip. I think they could bring it to Taiwan, make some people happy. What do you think, Paul?
4: Yeah, I, but I think, you know, it's, I mean, our way of doing things like, you know, the 10% service charge is included. It's actually, um,
3: it's a little bit easier. easier. Yeah, for you don't have to figure it out. That's true. Right. Yeah.
2: But then people may not try as hard to give good service. <laughs> yeah. But that's a whole culture issue, <laughs> right. right? So, anyway, that's a whole different issue. But that's a quite an interesting topic that this uh, famous, I actually interviewed Rafit um, on Taiwan Today. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. Well, thanks for joining us today on uh, Radio Taiwan International. I am Nellie, so we hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.